2: This is Colette Marie Steffen, and I'm filling in for Dr. Pat today on the Dr. Pat radio show, and it's my great pleasure to do so. Um, Thank you, Pat, for the opportunity. Uh, I also have a radio show with Transformation Talk Radio. The truth is funny, shift happens, and that's Wednesday mornings at 8 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. Uh, Today, what um, we're going to be talking about is the path of community and the legacy of Majaya. Um, Kashi. Is an international community founded in 1976 by Brooklyn born spiritual teacher Majaya Sati Bhagavati. And Kashi's purpose is to awaken a radical awareness about one's spiritual self and the issues the world faces today. The community exemplifies the idea that all paths followed with an an authentic heart lead to one's own God within. In 2012, Majaya passed away and the community entered a new phase. My guest today is Jaya Priya Reinhalter, who was born and raised at Kashi in South Florida. Her academic work focused on international communities and in 2013, she returned to Kashi to explore its continuing legacy. In 2014, Jaya was elected to Kashi's board of directors. She also acts as CASHI's director of global outreach and leads CASHI's youth network called Kashi Next Generation and is project manager for CASHI's Grow CASHI Capital Campaign. Are you there, Jaya Priya? I'm here. Hi. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here.
2: Yeah, this is um, very exciting for me because... Um, I, I really, really um, learned a lot from Ma and uh, love to share her information with people. So I would just like for you to talk a little bit first here about Kashi and about growing up there and, you know, and so just go for it here.
0: <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so Kashi is an intentional community, uh, sometimes also referred to as an ashram because of our, our leanings towards uh, Hinduism, but really it's an interfaith community of many people of different faiths and paths. Uh, so it's really beautifully diverse. And it was founded, like you said, by by Ma. I just referred to her as Ma, if that's okay.
2: That's perfect.
0: Um, it's easier okay. for all of us. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, it was founded in uh, 1976 by Ma. She had had her own spiritual awakening in 1973, and just three years later, came down to Florida in search of a piece of land that her and her students, which you know were multiplying quite quickly and were all around the United States, um, a place that they could all congregate together and really live in a daily way these teachings that they were imbibing from Ma, and create a community that reflected the values and the teachings. That they they were attempting to live in their own lives and actually imbue a natural environment and an entire community of people with with these teachings, and so that was what Kashi was born out of, was those intentions, and uh, it's it's been here ever since. So we're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year.
2: Wow, it's uh, and it's such a beautiful place. Um, maybe I'll just share with the listeners how I ended up knowing about Kashi and about Ma. Um, I actually had um, met Ma in 2010, and I um, was going there out to Kashi with a a different group. And really, I've never done yoga and um, grew or any of that, but uh, the grounds were so lovely. And what I noticed right away stepping on those grounds is that, you know, Ma, one of her teachings was that the only important religion is the religion of kindness. And I noticed that, you know, the entire grounds embraced all religions, embraced people from all different walks of life, sex. You know, it's, it was very, very um, uplifting for me to be there. And it's uh, such a beautiful place. And, you know, when I met Ma, um, I was so impressed because she could drop a, uh, an entire room into deep meditation in seconds. But she always knew how far to take each person, basically. And uh, I was very, very um, impressed by her. And came out to Kashi, um, you know, a couple times. And then my mom was passing in 2011. And my mom passed in January of that year.
3: Mm. And
2: um, I, the ashram prayed for my mom while she was making her transition. Mm. And uh, I was so grateful and i went out after that i tried to get out there at least once a year and just thank them and you know so ma's teachings and her uh, ability to um, share her information was so profound for me and uh, you know do you want to talk a little bit more about what it was like for you being there
0: sure so um just a little bit of background is is that I was actually born into the community in uh, 1987. So uh, pre 1987, I don't have a lot of personal context for, it except for all of the stories that I've heard growing up here. Um, but but I do know that you know in the late 80s and in the 90s, really when I was growing up. Um, the community had become very, very active in terms of social justice-related issues, and Ma had kind of in, encouraged the community into this very alive spirituality that was alive with activism, and in um, it, it seemed like it, almost an attempt to to translate the light that had been incubated here for you know the the decade prior to that. To actually then say, okay, now it's time that we take this into the world. And so um, Ma was very skilled at responding to the needs of the times. So, you know, Kashi's activism really changed a lot over those years, depending on, you know, what was the really potent need around us during that time. so at the time that I was growing up, uh, the AIDS virus was really... Um, in its stage, when there was still a lot of stigma around it and um, a lot of homophobia, you know, Kashi is in Florida, so being in the South, naturally, um, there's a, a lot of uh, backwards thinking in terms of, um, you know, gender and sexuality and, and at that time, AIDS specifically. So a lot of people were being abandoned by their communities and by their families and uh, Mala basically opened the doors of Kashi to anyone and everyone who needed a home, and they really started to come in droves. And it was these people who, you know, at the time we had no, um, no cure for the AIDS virus, so they were really coming to die. And uh, ironically, you know, similar to the way that Kashi in India, or the other name being uh, Varanasi, just the, an alias for the same place, you know, is like a destination that pilgrims go to die. Kashi in Florida suddenly had become um, a reflection of this for people dying of AIDS. And so we opened um, two hospices, you know, one being for adults dying with AIDS and another being for babies. And um, I think that for me, you know, growing up um, just as a child, just kind of barely coming into the world and yet having death all around me and having a teacher who demanded that you um, overcome your fear of death and that you you hold a dying person's hand as they're taking their last breaths and you you cannot be afraid to touch and to kiss them even though, you know, their body may be covered in sores and things that, you know, to our eyes are a little bit scary. Um, As a child, the the lessons, I think, that were instilled still carry me today in such profound ways and and create a, a sense of, Life is important, you know, and, and even as a child, you're not taking the fact that you have life um, for granted. And, and that was a really powerful experience. That I, I could I can't, go I... on and on about going up here, <laughs> so you should probably direct me a little. <laughs> well, we do have to take
2: a break in a minute here, but you know, that is so that that was the essence of Ma, fearless. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, to, to be there for those people that everybody else was um, shunning and uh, I think that's just so beautiful, and what a, you know, uh, probably a challenging experience as a young child, and also a very beautiful one with so many profound life lessons, which we'll talk about when we come back after the break here. Um, you're listening to Colette-Marie Stephan, and I am filling in for Dr. Pat on the Dr. Pat Show. My guest today is Jaya Priya, and we are talking about uh, Kashi and the legacy of Ma, and we will be right back, back right after this short break. Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beating heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to start This is Colette Marie Stephan. I'm filling in for Dr. Pat today. And I've got Jaya Priya here with me. And Jaya, we were just talking before um, the break about, you know, your experience growing up at Kashi and about Ma and um, all of the people that I just love this, how she empowered people to die with dignity and with love and with caring when other people, didn't want to have anything to do with them and and we were just talking about your experience of that Um, you know Ma passed on in in 2012 and do you want to just talk a little bit about that
0: yeah sure Um, I guess that I'll share a little bit about what what I was doing at the time and and I guess why that that moment particularly in time has impacted me today Uh, in 2012 I had actually just moved back to Kashi. I had you know, gone away to university, finished my BA, and lived in Washington, D.C. for a few years, working in different um, jobs, trying to find myself and what I wanted to do with my life, and had really come to this large awareness that I, I wanted my spiritual teacher back in my life in a very active way, and that... I was feeling a bit disillusioned with the world, and in particular washington d c you know, where the seat of power really lays, and I was um desperate for something different. and so I moved home and dropped everything in my life to to be here and about two weeks after arriving on the soil of Kashima I was diagnosed with cancer, and just three months after that, she passed away. so it was really like. My whole world had been kind of ripped out from underneath me all, all at once. Um,
2: I, un- I understand that because um, when my mom was making her transition, um, I said to a friend of mine, uh, well, you know, I, I don't have my mom on this earth anymore, but at least I have Ma. <laughs> and I, I found out the next day also. And I was very... Um, sad Wow. <laughs> you know because um, I, I was uh, um, really a t- her essence was just so beautiful and I had uh, such powerful experiences with Ma and I just thought I might share this experience I had um, with mm. Ma is you know after my mom passed I went out uh, about a month later I guess to go in and thank Ma and um, thank the community And uh, they have Darshan, which is when Ma speaks, and the little kids get to go up first. But I was so excited (laughs) to see Ma that I accidentally went up with the little kids. And and Ma was so beautiful. She hugged me and um, pressed her third eye to mine. And gave me a lollipop, <laughs> along with the other little kids, and I, w- I went back to sit in my seat, and later that night, I woke up, and my uh, where my third eye was, it was like a goose egg, it looked like someone had taken a hammer. And I was like, hmm, because I do all this energy work, I was testing, is this physical or non-physical? And it was non-physical, so I'm like, oh, okay, (laughs) I'll be okay with this. And uh, the next day, when I went for breakfast, I just told everybody, don't panic, it's not physical. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it lasted for about uh, a good 24 hours, and... uh, it was um, basically, um, you know, a lot of information pouring in, in for me and um, a lot of love pouring into me, actually, also. And that's partly, you know, because Ma understood how sad I was that my, that my mom had passed. And so, you know, this is the beauty of, of her and her work. And, and I know for you that um, being raised with that, I just want to, you know, what is it like for you now?
0: That was a great story. Thank you. Oh, Um, you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, and and a good question, too. I think, you know, firstly, as you can imagine, an entire community of people that extends beyond the physical community in Florida, you know, this is a, a satsang, we call it a spiritual community of thousands of people, you know, that are really around the world. And for all of us having experiences like you just talked about, with this very special person in our lives, to have them ripped out of our lives, at a time that felt way too early um, and very, very fast, was was quite traumatic. Um, for me personally, at the time I actually had already decided before she passed away that I would go away again and I would do a master's degree and I had a whole vision of of what I would be studying and you know what my passions were and my purpose in the world and uh, naturally as soon as I left I, I went to this master's program in Hawaii so I left Kashi and went to Hawaii and found myself you know sort of alone and abandoned on this island in the middle of the Pacific and all of the things that I hadn't dealt with all of my grief for Ma's passing and My grief for the world in general came surging in in a way that I I had never experienced in my life before. And I really went through a a rapid dying period where it literally felt like just dying from the inside out. Um, And it was one of the most painful times in my life, but also one of the most beautiful. And what happened in that time was I experienced for the first time in my life, you know, coming from community and being so loved and held my entire life. Now I'm experiencing the depths of loneliness and what really felt like a a darkness I had never known in my life and feeling isolated and alone. And I started to open up to everyone around me about this because I didn't know what to do. I was so desperate for a connection. Um, And what I found was everyone around me was feeling the same way. Now, I was experiencing it maybe in a little bit more of a potent way at that time, but the truth was that... All of my peers' core, they were deeply suffering from this feeling of aloneness and and lack of connection, you know, real genuine connection to people in their lives and uh, really feeling abandoned by by their world. Um, And at the same time, I started to have um, these visions, both lucid dreams, but also um, nighttime dreams of Kashi, this community growing into something that was a beacon of connection an interconnectedness in our world that could hold a light of a, a, a common humanity that we all share that, that the world so desperately needs. And so in these visions, I was having all of these ideas of how that could actually take physical shape in the body of a community. And so I quickly uh, changed all of my, my study plans to study intentional communities because what I knew in my heart I didn't understand intellectually and in my head. And I needed to understand it so that I could sort of will that deep knowing that was in my heart, will it into the realm of my mind so that I could share it with others and speak in the way that I'm speaking to you now about this. Um, and so so I spent the next two years studying communities, and I studied Kashi as one of my sites of interest, and then some others actually around the world Um and soon after I finished, moved right back to Kashi to actually see <laughs> these visions through. And that's where I am now.
2: <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, you, you have um, so much of that beautiful energy of caring. And, you know, you, you were talking to me about, you know, community becoming the teacher after the passing of the guru.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you
2: want to talk a little bit about that?
0: yeah this is this is something that's been really present for me since ma's passing because uh, I use a metaphor often to to describe this to people, but you can you can imagine that uh if Kashi is a solar system, then Ma was the sun in this solar system, you know the center of gravity, this incredible bright light that all the planets are looking towards, and this sun is then ripped out of your solar system and and all of a sudden. And you have no one to look at but each other. And you have this other view of one another that you couldn't see before because there was this bright light in the middle of all of it, um, blocking you from being able to see with clarity the, the other planets in your solar system. Um, and Ma in particular had a real way of teaching that was very individual and personalized. And she used to always say, you know, one chela, which means student, and one guru so it was very direct one-on-one teaching and it served its its time you know it certainly had its place and tremendous value and changed people's lives dramatically um but when that time was up that time is up and and so the question is okay what's next and what i found to be one of the most beautiful things is that now we're entering a time where we have to look towards the community as the teacher and sort of if you think of it on an evolutionary scale, you know, you start with the parent, which could maybe be, you know, Ma, and then you, you, you leave the house or, or the parent dies, whatever that is, um, and you have, you have your community then to look towards. And eventually, on this scale of, of evolution, you eventually want to understand that everything you need lies within yourself. But um, as a community, I think Kashi and the world, actually, is in this place where we desperately need to reconnect to one another and look towards community as our teacher and and move away from this very isolating individualism, particularly in, in Western society that has disconnected us so deeply, not only from one another, but from our natural environment, from all things that are living. And we need to reclaim this connection. And to me, one of the most powerful ways to reclaim this connection is to actually see the tremendous value in the humanity around you and look towards it as your teacher. If we can't honor each other in that way as and see each other as, as our teachers, then reclaiming this deep, deep connection and interconnectedness that, that is really the truth, um, I, I don't see a lot of hope for that. So, so what I'm hoping to see in Kashi is that we are able to see one another as as the teacher and understand that ma's teachings now live in the body of this community and in the grass that we walk on and in the systems through which we interact with each other and the choices we make when we speak to one another and the kindness we show one another
2: i you know, love that um priya we have to take a quick break here and you know um you just said that so beautifully and I just wanted um, you to just share your contact information quickly, if you could, with people, if they want to reach you to find out what Kashi is doing.
0: Sure. Um, the, the best website probably to go to would be called Grow Kashi, growkashi, G-R-O-W-Kashi, dot com, or kashi.org. My contact info is my first and last name. Jaya, J-A-Y-A, Reinhalter, R-E-I-N-H-A-L-T-E-R, at gmail.com.
2: Awesome. This is Colette Marie Stephan. You are listening to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm stepping in for her today, and we will be right back after this short break.
3: Hi, this is Leslie Fontaine. Have you ever said to yourself, what is this mess I'm in? Believe it or not, part of us wants it. We have asked for deeper work, to understand love, to step into our power, to choose differently. Then when we start engineering the circumstances, we want to control how it unfolds. Let's be honest. It's like asking the universe to help you create something then saying, well, not like that. I want you to do it this way. If you are ready to shift into your best life, visit lesliefontaine.com. And let's talk about unfolding all that you want to be, do, and have. You'll find sessions, classes, and audio products to help remove the blocks and move you into your potential. And listen to my show, Sheer Alchemy, on Transformation Talk Radio, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern.
0: Francine Vale is a being of light. She believes that all people of planet Earth are as well. As co-host of the Angel Healer radio show, Francine teaches you heart-centered ways to manifest healing on your own behalf and how to integrate love more fully into your daily life. Connect with your angels as you find your life flowing with ease and harmony. Walk the path of light with Francine and Dr. Pat Basilli every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com.
1: Have you ever tried to make lifestyle changes but had difficulty following through? Imagine what it would be like to get up each morning with energy, clarity, and motivation to tackle the day. If you want to get past limiting barriers that are preventing you from living your best life, join holistic health and wellness coach T. Carrie Mitchell each month on The Dr. Pat Show or visit lifestyle120.com today and start to receive the personal attention you deserve.
0: Loving can hurt sometimes, but it's the only thing that I know.
2: This is Colette Marie Stephan filling in for Dr. Pat today. I have Jaya Priya here with me today, and we've been talking. About Majaya Sati Bhagavati, who is a spiritual teacher. And um, I just wanted to mention that um, Ma's book, The Eleven Karmic Spaces, is available at um, Amazon. And you know, you can um, find her book. It's a beautiful book about uh, karma and uh, what it what role it plays in everyday lives. And that it, you know, in this book, she teaches that through awareness, intuition, and grace. It is possible to choose freedom from karma. Ma was also a very prolific painter, a prolific poet, and also was the creator of uh, Kalinatha Yoga. Uh, which people can go to cashy.org if you want to um, find out more information about that. Uh, Jaya Priya and I were just speaking about and talking about um, her experience growing up there and about community. And so I would like to um, let you finish talking about what, um, what you feel community is and how, why it's so important. And you said it so eloquently before the break. Just elaborate some more. <laughs>
0: Sure. Um, yeah, before the break, I was talking quite a bit about, you know, using the, the community as, as a teacher and really as a spiritual teacher and a guide. And I think on the other side of that, beyond just what a community is for your personal use, also is, you know, what communities like this, that li- where people live communally and around a very intentional set of values and, and a mission towards both self and human evolution, I think there's a tremendous role that they have to play in the future of our world, um, particularly in a world that has become so deeply disconnected. And, I, and I'm mostly when I say that I'm, I'm refer- referencing the Western world, I've had different experiences in other parts Of our world, but um, I I think that there's something fundamental, firstly, about our own ability to grow, uh, that that plays into being a part of a a part of a community. Where what I saw in myself is that my own limitations outside of a community were were greatly um, enhanced, and where when I have a support system beneath me and there's a fundamental sense that I am loved. There is a knowing in my core that I am loved. And I don't mean that there isn't conflict in my life and there isn't hardship and I'm not, you know, having fights and all of these kind of human things we go through in relationships. But but <laughs> that's the human condition, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is, right? And and sometimes I think that people think that these communities have an idea that we can overcome all of that. And, you know, there's this utopian idea about paradise. But um, any community like this, it, it's we are microcosms. We have all of the world's problems in one tight space. So if anything, <laughs> everything is pronounced, both love and pain. But, but the beauty of it is, And this is what I find to be the most important element, is that on a fundamental base level, there is this sense that I am loved, and that if anything were to happen to me, I'm surrounded by this community of human beings who would be there for me. And somehow that simple knowing makes everything else in life seem so much more possible. And so going out, when I travel or go into the world or go into very difficult situations and face pain and darkness and the grotesqueness that our world can possess i'm able to do that because on a fundamental level i have this light that's carried with me um that was really shaped and built by by this community and and this love that it has has given me and so you know i think a, a lot about other um other teachings who, who understand this really well, one being, you know, the Buddhists who talk about the Three Jewels of Buddhism, that they say, you know, there's the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and the Sangha is your, your spiritual community, and and these are the three things that you seek refuge in, in your practice. Uh, and the fact that they have the Sangha laying on the same plane as, as your Dharma, your path, and the Buddha, your teacher, uh, is such a significant teaching to me that, that I found to be true in my own life, where truly this this spiritual community does lay in equal importance with those two things. My path and my ability to follow the teacher along that path is made possible by those who stand behind me and underneath me and love me. And that's really the, the role of community that I see. And you can even, you know, I was the other day looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and thinking about how... You know, on the fundamental level, the base level, you have your psychological needs need to be met. And then the next one is your safety needs, your very basic. You know, those are your kind of survival needs need to be met in order for you to evolve. But on the third tier, right there, is this tier of love and belonging. And belonging, to me, really meaning that sense of community and the love that, that surrounds you when when you are in community. Um, and, and without that, you can't even begin to escalate into the realm of what follows that, which is a theme, esteem and then self-actualization. So esteem and self-actualization become possible because of the love and belonging. And that's, um, that's where I see community coming in.
2: That's just beautifully said, you know, and from Ma's teachings also I learned that, you know, she would say you have to feed people <laughs> their physical bodies so that they can um, focus on their spirituality. And that's kind of another, you know, uh, when you have community, community means that, um, you know, on a higher level, for me, that we are all connected. You know, I've traveled around the globe searching for, um, uh, you know, information around this. Like, how is it we're all connected? And and that had led me to uh, the Resonance Project Foundation and studying with Nassim Harameen, who's mm. a physicist, Because I wanted to understand, what is it? People always say we're all connected, but sometimes these days it can really feel like we're not. Even though we have the internet and we have better uh, technology to connect with people, it seems almost like the technology has become more important than the people at times. And you you see a lot of people wandering around looking at their cell phones or sitting at restaurants and they're all on their cell phones or they're at the beach and they're on their cell phones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... I always think you know um, you know we are all connected because we're all made up of atoms <laughs> on the physical plane, and because of that, we you know we when we have a thought, our thoughts are shared with everyone, and um, so the more that people allow themselves to receive love from others and to you know to give love to others. It, that is what allows us, and I'm not talking about the kind of love that sometimes people talk about, where it's, um, you know, you know, not really. Con- it's not unconditional. I'm talking about divine love, like mm-hmm. our very essence of our being. And you know, for you, you're, you know, you're very young to be doing this kind of. I'm going to say heavy work. <laughs> mm. What's that like for you?
0: Hmm. I. I, I guess I, I don't tend to think in those terms, um, and maybe maybe that's what makes it okay. But um, I, I feel just so, the truth is, I, I feel the happiest I've ever been doing this work um, and the most inspired I've ever been because uh, truly, I think we're pretty much all aware that having a sense of deep pur- purpose in your life that extends beyond your own immediate needs but actually impacts human life around you is is a very important thing. And I definitely see how communities such as this play a role in in enhancing the human experience all around me. Um, And I do think, you know, to, to kind of piggyback onto what you said about the technology piece, you know, there's lots of talk about how we're more connected than ever because of Technology, but I think that the role that places like Kashi have to play you know as intentional communities that are place based where there is physical intimacy and contact, and there is these this whole group of people tightly in your space acting as mirrors to all of your own stuff all the time you know it's like you really you cannot get away you're constantly having a flashlight shown onto your you know every ounce of your being. Um, so yeah, you that's... not only have to look at it, but everyone around you is looking at it. You know, the potential for connection and intimacy in that kind of environment is so profound uh, that you can't get that through technological connection. You can't get that on Facebook. And so for me, part of the passion behind better understanding these intentional communities like Kashi is, you know, what is that role? What, what, what role do they have in creating spaces for people to experience true intimacy and connection in a way that can often be deeply uncomfortable. Challenging. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We have to
2: take another quick break here, um, and we're, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this. Uh, this is Colette-Marie Stephan filling in for Dr. Pat. You can reach me at thetruthisfunny.com. You can reach me at energeticupgrade.com. Tails, T-A-I-L-S from thevector.com, and um, also on all Facebook media, Twitter, etc. At the truth is funny with Colette. So we'll be right back after this short break, and we'll fi- uh, do our last segment here and talk some more about community. Thank you, Jaya.
3: In retirement, will you have enough
4: money to live life on your terms? Everyone has retirement questions. Ask Ameriprise Financial Advisor Jeff Packman about the new confident retirement approach. You and Jeff can break down retirement planning step-by-step to get the real answers you need. In fact, 93% of clients who've had the confident retirement approach conversation feel more confident about their retirement. Call Jeff Packman, financial advisor, at 425 453 0272 for your confident retirement conversation today. Office is located at 601 108th Avenue Northeast, Suite 1800, Bellevue, Washington, 98004. Percentage based on Ameriprise Financial Confident Retirement Client Survey as of December 2013. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Talk Radio.
2: This is Colette Marie Steffen filling in for Dr. Pat on the Dr. Pat Show, and I have Jaya Priya Reinhold with me here today. We've been talking about community, about um, the power of each of us as individuals, and you know how challenging that can be sometimes to live in community and face um, the mirror, basically, of what's going on deep within ourselves. Um, Jaya Priya, do you want to just address that a little bit more? You were saying that, you know, everybody is mirroring back to you. Do you want to explain that to people?
0: Sure. Um, I guess, you know, the way I think of it is, I'll give an example. You know, in my own life, I I live in a communal home with a large variety of people from different ages and sexes and backgrounds and faiths, and um, we live in very close quarters and you have some personal space, but it's extremely limited, and and a lot of the things that we do, we do together, we do communally, and that's a very intentional choice. Really, that I see is based on this um, commitment to to seeing yourself honestly, Um, acknowledging that we truly can't grow unless we're able to look at ourselves with honesty, uh, and for me, personally, I'll, I'll try and <laughs> just speak for myself, um, the most powerful tool for, for me to see myself honestly is seeing myself reflected in others and what they reflect back to me. Because I, oftentimes I can get in my own hamster wheel in my head uh, and have all sorts of ideas about who I am and how I'm showing up in the world and, and what I believe, and yet there's nothing that challenges those ideas about myself um, in the way that, that community does when it's really um, surrounding you all the time in such a potent and tight way. And I remember Ma used to talk about, and I've actually heard this this phrase in other communities as well, you know, that it's like being in a, a rock tumbler, you know, that shine one another as they tumble um <laughs> Tumble <laughs> against beautiful. one another, and so they're rubbing against one another constantly, and obviously that can be deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but what they're doing is they're also shining the edges, they're smoothing the edges, and you're becoming brighter and brighter, and smoother and smoother, and softer. Um, and and they're eventually, when they're you know completely worn down, they just sort of gent- gently rub against one another. There's no pointy edges that are poking each other. And um, this is kind of my metaphorical experience in community. So that was what I was trying to to explain. Yeah,
2: you know, a lot of times um, when we are in uh, relationships, we're in relationships with our physical environment, we're in relationships with money, we're in relationships with people, you know, and and the people that we live with have a tendency to show us <laughs> who we really are, mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> and that mirror can be challenging to look at. But you know, um, you know, if you're going to meditate and sit in a cave, you know, um, for your whole life, and it's a, you know, and that's challenging in its own being, you know. But you get used to it after a while. When you're uh, out there in the real world, <laughs> mm-hmm. dealing with. You know, jobs and money and uh, children and family and uh, you know all the things that are going on. It's uh, it's important to stay present within yourself. And uh, a lot of people are very busy. You know, just in our in our society now, you know, running and running and running and go go go. And this is what is uh, such a beautiful thing is that we can um, be in a place. Where we recognize that they are that people are actually reflecting back to us, as you said, mirroring uh, what we who you know what we are really about. And you know, when you have that, when you're in a community like that, you have lots of people to do that with, right? <laughs> yes,
0: you do, you do. <laughs> and you know, you know what I was thinking when you were speaking is, I often hear um, when I'm outside of Kashi, at least. People ask me questions about this kind of community, and they have these ideas about these communities that um, is as if you know people go to them to escape the world. And I think what's really key to understanding um, these kinds of communities, and there may I'm sure there's exceptions to this, but at least to the ones that I spend time in. um, In fact, they're like I said earlier, just these microcosms of the world that, in many ways, are even more potent both in love and pain, but what that the opportunity that that gives us um, is a safe container to actually work with all of the material of the world and do it in an intentional way and in a way that is based on a foundation of love so it's mm-hmm. safe to actually go to places together that you might not otherwise go with other people out in the world because there isn't that shared foundation of love and trust. But when you're in, the, in this kind of container, your ability to explore the potential of human connection and, and intimacy and, and, you know, collective spiritual evolution is so much more powerful because of, of that safe container. So, so these places are really kind of like these spiritual laboratories. <laughs>
2: thats a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and it's and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing uh, if we if we truly take advantage of its full potential, I just think it's it's a phenomenal possibility what we have.
2: Yeah, and, you know, when your soul is calling, um, that comes from your heart.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And,
2: and um, when we follow our, our heart, you know, we have to use our logic also, of course, to take consistent steps of action <laughs> to survive in this world and to thrive in this world. And, you know, at the same time, when you uh, decide and you make a choice for yourself that your soul's uh, journey is important, Uh, It will lead you to places where you maybe would not have the courage to go. And I can speak to that um, myself, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, on my journey here. Uh, I've been very blessed uh, to have amazing mentors. And, you know, um, a lot of times I do a lot of energetic work and a lot of times people are looking for a magic pill where all of a sudden, you know, everything just goes perfect (laughs) and uh, that's not um, real life. Uh, We came here to experience life and I find that it's most pleasant for people, um, most empowering if we don't judge uh, what's happening as good or bad so much, but as an experience that we're going through and then allow ourselves to, you know, to move into that. Um, You know, we've, basically running out of time, is I just would like for you to um, share, um, you know, a last minute or so of what you would like to really um, leave the people with here today.
0: Oh, wow. Um, Sure. So, I I don't know quite exactly how to capture it, uh, except for you know to say to you firstly th- thank you for letting me share my heart because this really is um, not something i would call my work but it's it's truly my life and well, it feels very vulnerable heart. and intimate
2: <laughs> you have a beautiful heart and it's my
0: pleasure <laughs> thank you thank you and i would like to say you know that, that of course, anybody who's listening, if if they have any interest, you, you are welcome to to visit us in Florida, and escape the cold if you're in the north or <laughs> whatever it is. We we're, we're open uh, to visitors all the time and
2: share share your contact information with us one more time.
0: Sure. Yeah. My my personal email is my first and last name Jaya J A Y A, last name Ryan Halter. R-E-I-N-H-A-L-T-E-R at gmail.com. And then our our two websites are either kashi.org, and kashi is spelled K-A-S-H-I, or growkashi.com.
2: Awesome. And, you know, I want to thank you so much for um, all your beautiful words. And, you know, as I said, you may not realize it, but you are uh, um, give so many people so much joy when when we see the following generations you know stepping up in this beautiful way so i really want to thank you for that um this is colette marie stefan i've been filling in for dr pat you can reach me on um, uh, the truthisfunny.com energeticupgrade.com and also tails t-a-i-l-s from thevector.com and i just want to thank uh, dr pat and and all of her listeners and also benny thank you very much for providing us with this uh, opportunity to share this information and uh, look forward to doing it again thank you benny thank you pat